Brilliant. Great to see you. Uh, welcome. I hope you're enjoying your, your summer. And uh, if any of you nod off, I know what you were doing at one o'clock or two o'clock this morning. But, uh, anyway, so uh, we've been picking up on different uh, series through this year. And uh, this morning, it's a, my privilege to launch us into another little mini, mini series entitled Summer Fruits. I'm a big fan of fruit. I love, I love fruit, um, particularly in the summer when it's cheap. <clears throat> so uh, it's a privilege for me to, to kick this off. And perhaps not unsurprising to those of you who've been around the Bible a while, we're going to be based over the next few weeks in Galatians chapter 5. So we're going to read from Galatians chapter 5, but maybe we're going to tackle it just a little bit differently to maybe uh, we, we might be used to. But uh, Galatians chapter 5. You, my brothers and sisters, starting at verse 13, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, just before I go on and read these verses further on, just to note there is this word flesh comes up a number of times in the verses. It's actually the Greek word here is sarx, S-A-R-X. And it refers not so much to our physical bodies, not to the, the flesh, the skin and bones. It refers to our sinful state outside of God. Okay, it, it, Our rebellion is often presented as a power in opposition to the Spirit of God. Okay, It's important for us just to be aware of that. It's about living in opposition to God. So verse 14. The entire law is fulfilled up, uh, fulfilled in this one, uh, keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do whatever you want. If you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the acts of the flesh, of the sinful nature, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or some of you will know the word forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, the sinful nature, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Father, we thank you for your words. Thank you for the power of it. We thank you for the truth of it. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are a spirit of revelation and understanding. Lord, we 
we just pray as we share together over these moments, would you speak to us? Speak through me. Lord, thank you for your words. Give us hearts that are open, ears to hear, eyes to see what you're wanting to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So many of us will have grown up with uh, this list of fruits. We will have memorized them maybe at Sunday school. We will have uh, sung songs about them. I'm going to say something slightly controversial here this morning. Okay, it's the summer, so you can get away with it. Some of the other elders are away, so they won't know. Um, But uh, you, you get ready to gasp if you want, but... I don't think this is a complete or total list. (sighs) (laughs) For instance, surely, sorry, I'm just going to move away from this ledge. (laughs) Surely uh, generosity is a fruit of the transforming life of the Holy Spirit. As is honesty or truthfulness. But Paul doesn't specifically list those here. Now, of course, we can and we should say that these, these words are important because Paul lists them and they're in the Bible. And if they're in the Bible, they're important and we should obviously recognize that. But you see, I don't think what Paul was trying to do here was to complete, uh, was to create a complete or total list. In other words, if you get these, you've got it sorted. I think what we always have to do with Bible verses is to take them in context. We have to look at the whole picture and the whole story. And in fact, I think over this next couple of Sundays, that's what we'll be doing. We'll be looking at the whole context of the Church of Galatians and particularly the context of these verses here. Paul is talking about the difference that can and should be seen Between a person who is walking by, being led by the Spirit, and a person who is indulging, gratifying the flesh, the sinful nature. He's talking about a difference. Something is there to be seen. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Okay, just turn to the person next to you and say, be free. Okay, you're half asleep, but anyway, I'll let you off. Okay, be free. You're called. You have a calling to to be free. But he says, don't use that freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use that freedom. So I've got freedom now. We live in a world, don't we? We live in a society that loves to talk about freedom. We've got freedom and we fight for freedom. But Paul says, don't use that freedom to return to the sinful nature. Don't use that freedom to return to the sinful nature. Rather, he says, serve one another humbly in love. Really what he's saying immediately there is I'm calling you to be like your saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. He's saying, yes, you've got freedom, but it's freedom to serve. It's freedom to become and be like the Lord Jesus. 
Now we've been saying right through the last two series, uh, through the spring t- uh, term and in, into the early summer, we've been talking about being full of God, being full of the Holy Spirit, that that is the key to living transformed lives. How are we to live a transformed life? It's to be full of God, to be full of the Spirit. So whether that's using the gifts of the Holy Spirit or raising a family, whether that's learning to recognize the voice of God, using the word of knowledge, as it were, or making friends, going to work, using our money wisely, it's all about learning to walk by the Spirit. So it's also helpful here, I believe, to notice how Paul talks about the acts of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Basically, he's saying, he's talking about them as though they are the same thing. What do I mean? What do I mean? They're not the same thing. No, what he's saying is they're obvious. They are to be seen. They're on display. If you like, their true source is revealed. In both cases, they stand out. So he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. By the way... I want you to note here, this is not a complete list either. In other words, if I've just read out there and you go, ah, but my thing, my vice is not on there, so it's okay. No, it's not. Okay, he says, and the like. And the like. These are the things, they're obvious. These are the ways of the flesh. They're in rebellion against God. They're the part of the sinful nature, the rebellion against God. So don't think you can squeeze your uh, vice, as it were, into there because it's not listed. He says, and the like. Those things that are against God. They stand out. They become obvious in all sorts of ways. They're powerful. They're in opposition to the Holy Spirit. However, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh. He said, you know, in Romans, those wonderful verses, I have died with Christ. Okay, I've died with him and I've been raised with him. Somebody say hallelujah. Okay, so we've died to the old sinful nature with its passions and desires. We've been raised with Christ to a new life and the fruit of that new life, that fruit of the life in the spirit is going to be seen in love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and the like. In many other examples of how my life and my speech and my attitude has been transformed. How people will say, there's something different about you. Something different about your speech. Something different about your attitude to difficulties and, and, and challenges. There's something that has Changed Examples of it are to be seen in my life. My life has been transformed by the amazing, undeserved grace of God. There's no such thing, brothers and sisters, as a secret Christian. There's no such thing. You're a new creation. Your life will now bear a completely different fruit. It will be different. 
Now it's an ongoing thing. It's a life that is growing and developing, but it will be different. So this week, what I wanted to do was rather than specifically just start taking one of these fruits that perhaps we might have, <coughs> might have done many times. I'll just grab that glass of water. I got very excited in that prayer and then did something to my voice. <coughs> rather than take one of the specific fruits, what I wanted to do this week was to look briefly at three different people in the New Testament and see what the impact of being in Christ, of being filled with the Spirit, made on their lives and then the fruit that was seen to help us think about and reflect on what is the fruit that is seen in my life. I guess the provocation, I guess the application today for us is to be thinking about is what is seen in my life, what's observed in my life, as someone who is wanting to be filled with the Spirit, who's wanting to pursue God, how do people know that I'm a Christian? How do I know that's a plum tree? Because it has plums on it. How do I know this is a Christian? Because there is fruit to be seen. First person I want to take us briefly to is Stephen. Now we find the story of Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7. And uh, let's start and just look briefly at Acts chapter 6. The church had really begun to grow. People were being added to the church in all sorts of different ways. And one of the groups started to complain against another group because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Just want you to know that groups in the church complained in the early days and sometimes they still complain. And also I want you to know that food was being distributed in the early days of the church. It's still being distributed today. Verse 2, the apostles, 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters... Choose seven men from among you who note this, unknown, unknown to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Choose some people who are known. We will turn this responsibility over to them. We'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the words. This proposal pleased the whole group, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Okay, just want to underline some of these things. Stephen was known, he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Now we, we don't know the fine detail, we can tease out some things, but there was something about his life that was known. He was known to be full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now, however, opposition arose from members of the synagogue, of the freedmen and others, they began to argue with Stephen. Okay, the Spirit of God is on him, but they're getting into an argument. I just want you to note again, just because you have the Holy Spirit, just because you are displaying the fruits of the Spirit, doesn't mean that everyone will like you or agree with you. In fact, it's quite possible that as you are full of the Holy Spirit and are displaying the fruits of the Spirit, that some people very definitely won't like you. 
But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue God because it will be massively attractive to many people and it will speak of our God and of our, our Saviour. So they stirred up the people and the elders, the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and they brought him to the Sanhedrin, the religious ruling court. Verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw, there it is again, they saw something. What did they see? His face looked like the face of an angel. Okay, the Spirit of God was upon him and they saw. He was known, something was seen. This is what fruit is about. It's seen, it's known. Then follows the great speech in Acts chapter 7. It's a huge, great sermon that, that Stephen preaches. And he finishes really by confronting their religious hypocrisy and their hard hearts. So chapter 7, verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. I have no idea what that looked like, something like that. But my goodness, they were not happy. Stephen, full of the Spirit, looked up and saw heaven, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God. Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look. I see heaven opened and the Son of God, a Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, who of course later became the Apostle Paul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus... Receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Then he said this, he fell asleep. You see, we can read a list. We can memorize the list. Love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We can, we can read it, we can memorize it can sing a song about it, but what does it mean? What does it mean? Over the next weeks, two or three weeks, we're going to think about this from different angles. How are they seen? How are they demonstrated in our lives? So I want to ask you a question this morning, maybe a summer question to be reflecting on as you think about the next term and as you go on in what God's calling you to in different ways. How are you known? How are you known? What is obvious about you to those that you work with? What is is obvious about you, your family, your marriage, your children, whatever it might be, to those you live in neighborhood with and community with? How are we known? See, I suggest here is a great example of a man full of the Spirit who through his Spirit-filled life is displaying fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's working itself out in his life. Love, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, quite possibly gentleness being displayed as he's willing to serve these widows in need. Now we might say, oh yeah, that's really good, isn't it? Look, you can, you can tick four or five off of the list. There, there they are. You can tick them off. But I want you to note something else. 
You see, rather than it just being four or five items that can be ticked off of a particular list, did you note a little phrase that I read in chapter 6, verse 8? Stephen, a man full of grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. This is clearly a gifted and anointed man, but one who is also humble. Humility is not a word that is on Paul's list specifically, but clearly it is a fruit of the Spirit that is on display in Stephen's life. You see, this is not one of those, don't you know who I am moments, okay? We've had, we've had this a bit in the Olympics, haven't we? Sometimes these complete unknowns have come through and now they are somebody, I am somebody. You know, they try and be humble, but it's quite difficult for some of them, I know. But this is not one of these don't you know who I am moments. Don't you know about the great wonders and the signs that I've been doing? Thank you for choosing me to feed the widows, but I don't actually feel that feeding the widows is the the best use of me or my gift, my ministry. In fact, I was just wondering whether I could be on this prayer and ministry of the word team, if that were possible. You know, I, I think I've moved on a bit now from feeding the widows. No, that's not how he was. I want to say to each one of us, but to any of us who feel a strong calling, an urgent calling to leadership, we never move on from serving. Never move on from serving. I'm going to say it a third time. We never move on from serving. He who was in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be taken and made advantage of, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness, he humbled himself. See, Stephen did get to preach, to minister the word, powerfully, and he died for it. The acts of the flesh are obvious. They, they stand out to people the fruits of the flesh, uh, the fruits of the Spirit are similarly just that, fruit. Showing forth the fullness of the Spirit within a person. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, a man full of God's grace and power, full of the Holy Spirit. How did they know that? By the fruit in his life. Whether that be the joy and peace that was literally, physically evident on his face as he spoke of God's great plan and his purposes revealed in Jesus, or the love, the peace, the patience, the forbearance, kindness, and self-control that he showed as they were stoning him. When he was even able to pray, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Who does that remind you of? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. It's not just a list that I get to memorize and have a little go. Or today I'm going to try and be love. (laughs) Be full of the Spirit and let the fruit of the Spirit come through. I came across this great uh, great, uh, tweet from the pastor and writer John Piper last week. Patience with unbelievers is the reflex of humble amazement that we ourselves are saved. 
patience with unbelievers is the reflex of humble amazement that we ourselves are saved. It's astonishing that we are saved. It's the grace of God that we are saved. How are you known? What is your reputation in the community? Be filled with the Spirit and let the fruit of the Spirit be on display in your life. Amen? Stephen, Barnabas. Let's have a quick look at Barnabas, shall we? Now, we first encounter Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, a couple of chapters before Stephen, right at the birth of the church. Uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, very famous verses. We've read them recently a couple of times. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that were there were no need, uh, at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. And they brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet. Just want to say, that's not a weird place to take your money. Uh, it's, it's basically a picture of surrender. Lord, everything I have is yours. I lay it down before the church, before the leadership in that sense. It's surrendered giving. Okay, so they would sell a piece of land or sell a house and they would surrender it in their giving. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, sold a field he owned and brought the money and brought it to the apostles' feet. So his name was actually Joseph. But he had a reputation. He had a reputation, so much so they'd given him a nickname. Bar, which means son of, or yeah, Bar Nabus, son of encouragement. If that is not the most obvious of fruit of the Spirit, I don't know what is. What a reputation to have. He's the son of encouragement. He's been given this nickname. Now, I'm sure that all of us can think of good people that we like to be around. You can think of somebody right now. I love to be around that person. They, they lift me. They encourage me. They have a, a generosity of spirit. Can you think of someone? Do you know someone? You love to be around that type of person. You might even have a nickname for them. Might be a family member, might be a friend. But this is how Barnabas was known, son of encouragement. Again, how are you known? Do people have a nickname for you? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh, grumpy boots. Well, you know. I don't know. Maybe you don't know, maybe you don't want to know what nickname people have. Barnabas was a nickname of Joseph. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. Joseph of Cyprus had a nickname. What's your nickname? How are you known? Let's pull out a couple of other things quickly about Barnabas. You remember how in that story of the stoning of Stephen that I read just now, it says that the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Basically, he was the one overseeing Stephen's death. 
He was the one who was organizing it. He was the one who arranged it. He looked after everybody's kit while they got involved throwing the stones. Well, of course, we know from Acts chapter 9 that in his grace and his mercy, God breaks in to Saul's life. He's on the road to Damascus with arrest warrants in his pocket. For anyone who says they follow Jesus, out will come the arrest warrant. You're going to get arrested. You're going to get thrown into prison. But suddenly a light from heaven flashes around him. He falls to the ground and he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Because Saul is persecuting the church, but Jesus, the voice of Jesus, speaks and says, why do you persecute me? So good for us to know that. If you're battling, if you're struggling, you are not on your own. Jesus has already got ownership of you. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. Amen? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Stephen had been stoned. Others had been persecuted. Jesus takes it personally. You are persecuting me. Now get up, go to the city, and you'll be told what you must do. God sends him a man called Ananias who lays hands on him, prays for him. His temporary blindness uh, is completely healed, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Which, as you can understand, it's the Bible says, I love the understatement of the Bible sometimes, it confused some people. It's like, (laughs) yes, I can imagine that it did. Confused a lot of people. Um, And after he'd been doing it for some time, they actually got really angry with him and tried to kill him. They, They set people to watch at the gates. Uh, They were going to capture him. They were going to try and kill him. Saul and his followers heard about this. So in the middle of the night, they let let him down in a basket through a hole in the wall of the city. It's one of the stories that my dad told me when I was a little boy. I've never forgotten it about this man being let down in a basket down down the wall of the city. They lowered and he ran away. He decides to go to Jerusalem. And he tries to join the disciples who are in Jerusalem but understandably, they were afraid of him. He said, who is this? This is the guy that was trying to kill us. This is the guy that stood there and organized Stephen's stoning. They didn't believe that he was a real disciple. Now you say, Mark, why are you telling us this story? Because here's another wonderful, great statement. Acts chapter 9, verse 27. But Barnabas. But Barnabas took him. And brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. The Lord had spoken to him. How in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And of course we know him today as the apostle Paul. When you're filled with the Spirit, when you are displaying the fruit of the Spirit, you will also see and encourage the gift of God in others. You will see it and you will encourage it in others. See, we're living in a very cynical age, aren't we? Living in a day of mistrust and fear. We know that. We recognize that. 
where we go out and about. Some of you have gone out into holiday context, maybe you've gone out visiting. But there is, at times, there is this, now who's that person? And are they, are they kosher? Are they, are they, you know, are they up together? What, what's going on there? We have, we've got a cynicism that is resting upon us. There's a mistrust and a fear. What do they want? What are they doing? Is this a scam? We don't even want to answer the home phone anymore, do we? Because we know what's coming. Apart from the fact that it might be my dad or my daughter, but, you know. Barnabas not only recognized the gift of God in Paul, but he was able to show kindness and love. Again, humility and generosity of spirit, which enabled the church and the work of God to be strengthened greatly by Saul, who became Paul, um, being received into their number. The church was greatly strengthened. And it's about coming alongside one another, about encouraging and strengthening one another. Being filled with the Spirit and recognizing the Spirit of God in one another and being a blessing to one another. Now he does the same thing again in Acts chapter 11. The church at Antioch is taking off. Barnabas is sent to go and help and support the church which he does really effectively for a long time. He's got a gift in his own right. And then you get another wonderful little verse. Chapter 11, verse 25. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. I know, I've got weaknesses. I need to staff my weaknesses. I need to find others who can help. I know, there's Saul. I'm going to go and find him. And he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and a great number, uh, taught a great number of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Do you see the spirit? Do you see the heart of the man, how it stands out? There's examples of this all the way through the book of the Acts. Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. And then there comes this wonderful little change point. Chapter 13, verse 9, he's now being called Paul. He's beginning to be referred to as Paul. And the focus is now coming on his ministry, on the ministry of Paul. And then in chapter 13 and verse 42, it says, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving. Hang on, there's a switch. We've been reading all the way from about chapter 6, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. And then suddenly, Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, and it switches over. And actually, after a while, Barnabas carries on in his ministry and goes a different way, and it's Paul and the ministry, incredible ministry of Paul. The fruit of the Spirit, kindness, patience, humility. It raises, it releases, it recognizes the gift of God in others, and it's okay to let others come alongside and run on through and run on past us. There's a humility, there's a servant-heartedness there in that gift of the Spirit. You see, these are not trophies of the Spirit. They're fruits of the Spirit. I love these guys. I love the Olympics. I'm a, a huge fan of sport. The effort that goes in. But those things pass away. We know that. Julian was referring to it in that great psalm this morning. They, you know, heroes rise, and, but they pass away. But my words, my life, my fruit will never pass away. And there's a difference, isn't there? 
Just want to finish with, maybe pray in a moment. Just want to finish with one more character. I'm going to do this slightly differently. You might just want to listen to this. You might just want to just focus right in. I'm going to, I'm going to almost like read it to you as a piece of reflection. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear this, okay? So just listen to it and let the Spirit speak to you. It's Peter. After Jesus was arrested, Peter and John followed him as he was taken to the house of the high priest. While Peter was sitting in the courtyard, a servant girl came to him and said, You're one of the ones of this Jesus Galilee, aren't you? Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know who you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway. Another servant girl saw him and said to the people, This fellow was with the Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it. He swore and said, I don't know the man. After a little while, there was those who were standing there went up to him again and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives it away. Then he began to call down curses. He swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a cock crowed and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. He went outside and wept bitterly. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. In response to the crowd laughing and making fun of them and saying they've had too much wine... Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Peter went on to preach a great sermon explaining the purposes of God. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Promises for you and your children, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. and About 3,000 people were added to their number that day. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon and there was a man who was lame from birth. Every day, 
He was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Peter and John used the opportunity to preach to the crowd that gathered about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They got arrested for it. Many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000, which means the church was at least 10,000. Filled with the Spirit, they got to speak to all those in the court system. They didn't know what to do with them, so after threatening them, they released them. Peter and John went straight back to the church prayer meeting. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were together, one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet as it was distributed to anyone as they had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, was one of those in that church. He sold a field he owned brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The acts of the flesh, the old sinful nature, the fruit of the Spirit. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, for that is what we are. We just welcome you in these moments right now. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come and flood us again? Come and fill us again. We don't point the finger at Peter, Lord. If we do, there are four or five fingers pointing back at us. Lord, we, we don't say that Peter failed. We thank you for your grace that rescued him and restored him. We thank you for all that he accomplished in your, in your purposes. Lord, we thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we, we ask your forgiveness for t- today for the way that we fall back We go back to the old nature. Lord, we pray today, would you help us to die to sin and to live to Christ? Lord, we pray, would you help us today to put to death the acts of the flesh, the the old nature, 
Thank you, Lord, that you've given us new life. You've given us new birth. That there is a new fruit to be displayed in our lives. And we humbly come before you. We surrender before you today, Lord. And we say, won't you fill us? Won't you flood us? Lord, help us to stay close to you, to abide in you. Lord, that that sap of your presence, that that goodness in you, of you in us would be seen. Would be seen in the workplace, seen in our neighborhood, seen in our families. Holy Spirit, come and flood us today. We pray, Lord, fill us with a generosity of spirit and heart that doesn't grab and grasp and take what, what we feel is ours. Lord, that, but that we give for your glory. Lord, that we give and bless and serve and build and strengthen. Lord God, that others might know this wonderful mercy. That others might know this grace. Lord, we might not have silver and gold, but such as we have today, we want to bless one another. We want to speak to those who are hurting today. Right here in this place, we say, walk in the name of Jesus. Pain, go in the name of Jesus. Not because of my ability, not because of my power, because of your glory, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray for our colleagues. We pray for our neighbours. We Pray for our friends. May the fruit of the Spirit be seen in us. Not as a list we tick off, but Lord, a life lived, surrendered to you. Life lived for your glory. Oh God, Holy Spirit, flood us today. Flood us today. Lord, thank you for the message of the gospel. I pray for any person here today who does not yet know what it is to have sin forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for that, the word that Peter spoke on that great day. The promise, the promise of God is that as you confess your sin, as you confess your need of him, his promise is that you will be saved. That you will be filled and flooded with his spirit. That your life will be turned around so much so that people will say, your language has changed. Your marriage has changed. Your working ethic has changed. Your attitude has changed. And you'll say, yes, Jesus lives in me. Jesus is in my life. Father, bless this body. Bless your people. Father, we receive your goodness. We receive your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.